Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. As we ask for your presence to be strong in this place. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the word that comes forth tonight. And Lord, we pray that you speak to us, Father God, plainly. Father, that you speak to us with simplicity and with understanding. Father, meet us right where we are. Speak to us, Father God, the words that we need to hear. And Father, let revelation, knowledge, and understanding come forth. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord God, will encourage, will strengthen, will build up, Father, those who are here to hear the word of God. Father, thank you for the Holy Ghost. We ask for his help. We ask for his, uh, his ability to bring forth your word in such a way, Father God, that even though many of us will hear it differently, but yet we receive something, the very same message, Father God, that, that you have for us tonight. And so, Father, we thank you. We come expecting to hear from you. And, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that the word will, will change lives, alter our attitudes, Father God, strengthen us, Encourage us, Father God, and bring us to a place that we need to go. And, Father, to, be, to bring clarity to your will and purpose for our lives. And, Lord, for this we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, go and open up to, the, to 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, which is our, our key verse for this series. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, it says this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We've been talking to you about the promises of God and how, according to his word, we have become overcomers simply because we are born of God. Because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that makes us and qualifies us to be overcomers. And tonight we're going to focus on the characteristic and makeup of an overcomer. I mean, what does an overcomer look like? What is the nature, the attitude, the characteristic of one? So that's what we're going to focus on tonight. So when we talk about an overcomer, an overcomer is someone who affirms the promises of God. In other words, he accepts the promises of God, especially as it pertains to being an overcomer. Now, Paul, I mean, John strongly emphasizes how we are overcomers. But also the scriptures confirm also that we are overcomers. One verse of scripture that comes to mind is Romans 8.37, where Paul says that we are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves us. Another verse of scripture that comes to mind that confirms that we are truly overcomers is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57, where it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And so these are just some of the scriptures in the Bible that confirm that we are truly overcomers. This is a promise of God. And so what I want to share with you tonight is a parable of an overcomer. Just to get you an idea of what it means to be an overcomer. This parable is about an old dog that fell in a well, in a farmer's well. And when the farmer noticed the old dog in the well, he assessed the situation. And after assessing the situation, he sympathized with the dog. But he also decided that the dog and the well was not worth saving. So instead, he decided to bury the old dog and put him out of its misery. I know, that's pretty cruel. 
So as the farmer began shoveling and filling the, the well with the dirt, the dog at first became frantic and hysterical. Because as the farmer was throwing dirt into the well, it was hitting the dog in its back. And blow after blow, and one shovel full of dirt after another, it was hitting the dog in the back. And in that process, a thought occurred to the old dog. It dawned on him that every time the farmer threw a dirt load of, of, of uh, shovel full of dirt into the well and hitting its back, that he should shake it off and step up. And so this is what he did. Blow after blow, one shovel full of dirt after another, he would shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. He would shake it off and step up. And this he continued to do repeatedly as he was doing that. He was also encouraging himself. And so no matter how painful the blows were, and no matter how distressing the situation seemed, he fought against panic, he fought against distress, despair, hopelessness, and discouragement, and continued to shake it off and step up. Now, it wasn't too long after that that the dog, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall and out of the well because what should have buried him actually benefited him. All because of the way he handled adversity. You see, the dog could have given in and gave up. Because the situation that he was facing was a life and death situation. It was a very distressing situation. And he could have given in to panic. He could have given in to despair. He could have given in to discouragement. But he didn't. He fought against it. And because of his persistence, he was able to endure the pain and endure the exhaustion until one day he was able to escape his situation. That is the spirit of an overcomer. And tonight we're going to begin to look at that because the old dog was an overcomer because he knew how to deal with his adversity. And so this is what God has promised us. So that means that we don't need to be destroyed by the devil. We don't need to be distracted by the sensualities of this world. We don't need to be uh, disgraced by the sin in our lives. We don't need to, be, to over, be overcome by any of that because of the fact that we are overcomers. That's the promise of God. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But this is what I want you to see. But with the temptation or trials will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is able to take our situation and make a way of escape getting out of that situation and helping us and giving us the strength to bear under it. Listen to me. Keep this in mind. God has never been totally defeated 
by the events that took place in the past. And God will never become totally defeated by the events in the future. Let me give you an example. When Joseph was sitting in his dungeon, God released him. When the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, God delivered them. When David was overwhelmed by the guilt of his sin, God forgave him. When Daniel was in the lion's den, God preserved him. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, God retrieved him. And the best of all, when Jesus was dead in the tomb, God raised him. God knows how to get us out of situations. He's the one that helps us to overcome. So we're going to continue doing that because, listen, no problem has ever been difficult or so great that God, in his power, has not overcome it. And so this is the promise that is brought to you tonight. This is the promise that God made to us. And listen, if we can get a hold of this, if we can get a hold of this, we can, instead of living in defeated lives, instead of allowing situations and circumstances in our lives to get the best of us, we will be able to get the best of it. Because we know who we are. Based on his promises. So what God has done in the past, he will do it again today. And he will continue to do it tomorrow. Through God's power, we can and will overcome. That's his promise. So when we talk about an overcomer, we're talking about a lifestyle. It's not just a choice, but a lifestyle. That means that every believer, according to the scripture, has been positionally and legally Becoming overcomers. That is the position that we've been placed. Legally and positionally. So that means that victory should be a lifestyle. And it should be an expected lifestyle for all believers. That means that victory should be a part of our lives every day. On a daily basis. So as God's children we are to experience victory in our Christian lives. In all that we do. So the question is what does it take to be an overcomer what does it take to experience that victory so i want you to go back to first john chapter five in verse four where jesus where john says for whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world our faith now we know how important for a christian how how important faith is to a christian The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. It also says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It also says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we know and understand how important faith is. But listen, all of life is lived on faith. That means that every person has faith in something. For instance, if you open a can of tuna fish and you eat it, you eat it, Believing and having faith that what you eat is not going to harm you. When we go into a plane, we sit and, and with assurance and relax because our faith is in the person who's flying it because we know that that person knows what he's doing. At least that's what we think. <laughs> we go to a doctor whose name we can't even pronounce. He gives us prescriptions that we don't understand. 
He sends it to a pharmacist that we don't even know. And he gives us prescriptions that we can't even read. Yet we receive it, take it by faith. So whether you realize it or not, we're living in faith in other things because we believe in something or someone. But when it comes to real faith, true faith, faith in Jesus, that's what's going to make the difference in our lives. Not faith in the tuna fish, not faith in your doctor or the pilot, but faith in Jesus was what's going to make the difference in your life. Faith in Jesus, which causes us to believe in him, talk to him, walk with him, abide in him. This faith is the key to overcoming life. And there are three things that faith does. Faith makes available his presence. Faith makes available his power. And faith makes available his plans for our lives. And so it's important that we believe and trust in Jesus and know that when we trust in him, the presence and the power and his plans are be made available. Listen, when we stop believing, when we don't believe, we stop the blessings of God, we stop the promises of God, we hinder the power of God and the presence of God, and we also hinder his plans for our lives. So not walking in faith and not trusting in Jesus, we lose a lot. There's much to lose. But when we have faith in Jesus, we have much to gain. Amen. Amen. Go to John chapter 16. The reason why we need to be an overcomer is because there's always something to overcome. To live is to face life's challenges. We never know what a day is going to bring. But everyone in this room has circumstances to overcome. And that's one of the the reasons why I really felt led to share this because I know that many of us are dealing with something. Many of us are battling something. Many of us are, are overcome by the circumstances of life. But if I can encourage you to look at yourself and look at the word of God and say, hey, no more. This stuff is not going to rule over me anymore. And be the overcomer that God promised for you to be. You'll be able to overcome all those situations in your life. I guarantee that. In John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this. The things I have spoken to you that in me (coughs) you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That word tribulation in the Greek means pressure, affliction. It also means trouble, anguish, or persecution. And what Jesus is simply saying to us is this. In this world, we're going to have pressure. In this world, we're going to have anguish. In this world, we're going to have persecution. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have affliction. In other words... There are going to be obstacles that are going to be standing in our way of fulfilling God's will and purpose. So when we talk about an overcoming life, we're talking about a constant prevailing over these afflictions. A constant conquering of these troubles. A constant subduing of these obstacles that keep going in our way on a daily basis. Listen, we're in a battle here. 
We're here to fight. It also means to overrule. Overrule the things that come against us. You know, the, the Supreme Court is considered to be the highest court in the land. So that means any decision that is made by the lower court can be overruled by that Supreme Court. So that means that whenever a decision is made by the lower court, it's not the final decision. But when it comes to the Supreme Court, and once they make their decision, it becomes final. That is the final decision. It's like the illustration about the man who went to go watch a Little League baseball game. After missing a few innings, he comes and sits at the dugout where some of the teams were, were, were sitting. And he leans over and asks one of the boys on the team what the score is. And the little boy says, 18 nothing. we're behind. And the, the man says, man, dude, you're getting whooped. You must be discouraged. And the little boy responds like this. Why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten to bat yet. <laughs> you see, that little boy did not allow the score to determine the outcome of the game. He refused to say that 18 nothing is all there is to it. That's it. Pack our bags and let's go home. We can't beat this team. Amen. No, he refused to accept the score as being the final outcome of the game. Because the game is not over. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but that's not the final decision. It's not your final outcome. Because the game is not over. The fight is not over. Amen. That is a spirit of an overcomer. Someone who refuses to accept his or her circumstances as the final outcome of their lives. Let me tell you that God wants us to know that you, that your circumstances are not the final outcome, but he wants us to overcome and to overrule all the circumstances that come our way, not having it overrule us. Now, go to Mark chapter 13. Part of the characteristic of an overcomer is someone who is willing to remain steadfast to the end. In 1 John 5, the last part of verse 4 says, And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. An overcomer is someone who holds fast to faith in Christ until the end. That means that an overcomer doesn't run away from problems when things get tough. He doesn't turn away from God when things get really difficult. No, but he stands and faces a problem and stands and remains steadfast to the end. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus began to talk about and predict about the, the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem and the persecution that would follow against his disciples. And in verse 13, he says this, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The Amplified Version says it like this, but he who patiently perseveres and endures to the end will be saved. That word endure in the Greek means to persevere or to have fortitude or to bear patiently. That word persevere, and if you could put that up, is an important word, especially when it comes to being an overcomer. But the word persevere means to continue in a course of action in the face of difficulty or 
even when there is little or no possibility of success. And we think about the old dog who was trying to get himself out of that well. He was in a situation where there was little or no possibility to succeed. But yet he kept plugging away, plugging away, shaking it off, and stepping up until he overcame. All the words that are synonymous to the word persevere are these words. To persist, to continue, to carry on, to go on, to keep on, to keep going, to hammer away, be persistent, be determined, to see or to follow something through, to keep at it, to press overhead or to press on or press ahead. Not to take no for an answer. Be tenacious. Stand one's ground. Stand fast or stand firm. Hold on. Go the distance. Stay the course. Stop at nothing. Hang on. Plug away. Stick it out. Hang in there. Are you getting the picture? An overcomer is one who perseveres. To the end. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 57 where it says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. But then Paul goes on in verse 58. And he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because of the fact that we have the victory, we can be steadfast. We can be immovable. We can hang on. We can be persistent. We can stand firm. Because we know we have the victory. We know that we've won. Go to 1 John 4.4. An overcomer is one who endures through the trials, who perseveres, who stays the course, who hangs in there, who goes the distance, but not... In our strength, but in the strength of the power that lives within us. First John 4 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater or larger than he who is in the world. So the greater one that is in you is what makes the difference in every challenge that we face if we persevere, if we endure to the end by faith in Christ. But as I said before, if we give up, if we quit, then we stop the blessings of God and we fail to see the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. That's what happened to the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 13. When God promised a land that is flowing with milk and honey, right there on the verge of crossing over after sending spies into the land, 10 of those 12 spies gave a bad report, causing a discouragement for all the other people. And because of that, because of their discouragement, because of the bad report, they failed to enter into the promised land. They missed out on the promises of God. They missed out on the blessings of God because they quit. And my friends, we don't want to be in that place. That power that is in us provides the victory, helps us to endure, gives us the strength to stand and having done all the stand. Let me give you an example. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Every time we set 
out to conquer or to overcome some obstacle in our lives, it is never done without divine help. Here we see a story of David and Goliath, and we don't have time to get into all the story, but we pick up where David was now facing the giant. And as he faced the giant, it's interesting because David, if you looked at David, if you were on the sidelines and you saw Goliath, who's nearly 10 feet tall, who wears armor that's about 125 pounds, carrying on a huge javelin and a huge sword, not to mention the fact that he is a, a combat veteran, a man who's fought many battles, who killed many men. This guy is no joke. He's a killer. He's dangerous. And then you see little David, whose only experience was killing lions and, and tigers, oh my, and sheep. So if we were on the sideline watching this fight, we'd probably either turn it off because we figure as far as we're concerned, this is a slaughter and there's no point in watching. You ever watch Mike Tyson fight? Always lasted two rounds. That's why I never spend money for pay-per-view because I knew it wasn't going to last. I wasn't going to pay any money and watch two rounds of fighting. No way. That's what this was looked like. So it looked like David was, was standing before a huge obstacle. And if, it was, if I was a betting man, I would certainly not bet on David. My money would go on Goliath. Because David, all he came to the fight to face his obstacle was just a slingshot and five stones. Oh, and I forgot, he also brought faith with him. And one of the most dangerous weapons that any man can carry was your faith. Now, look at what First Samuel, pick up in verse 45. This was David speaking to the giant as he was about to face off with him. Verse 45 says this. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. In verse 46, he continues talking. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, if somebody who was not a believer was to read that verse, they would look at it and say, man, David was pretty cocky, and he was doing some serious trash talking. But you know what? He wasn't doing any trash talking. He was doing some faith talking. He was telling the giant what God is going to do to him. He was facing his circumstances, and he was telling the circumstances that this is what God's going to do. You see, that's what we need to do when we face obstacles in our lives. We need to do some faith talking. We need to stand before that circumstances, whatever it may be, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in your marriage, whether it's the emotional issues, whatever it may be, we need to stand it, stand in front of it, face it, and do some faith talking and tell it what God is going to do. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 47. Then, and this is David still talking some, some serious faith. <laughs> then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. In other words, he doesn't use natural means. He used supernatural means. 
For he says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Let me share a little story with you. There was a boy, a sixth grader, who had been dealing with a bully in his life. And every day on his way to school, and he lived like two and a half blocks from his, from his home, from, uh, from his school. And every day he would run into this bully. And this bully was mean. He was bigger and older than him. And every time he saw this bully, this bully would snatch his lunch money, knock his books off his hands, beat him up, push him around, humiliate him, ridicule him. Every day he was subject to that. As a matter of fact, even in class, he wasn't even paying attention to the class assignment or to the teacher because this bully loomed so large in his life that he couldn't think of anything else. That's where so many of us are. Where we're dealing with an issue that's become so large and looming so huge in our lives that that's all we think about. And so he's sitting in this classroom and all he can think about is, am I going to run into him in the hallways? Or am I going to run into him when I leave school? Even on his way to home from school, he's looking around, you know, just in case, you know, because he didn't know whether he was going to show up or not. So one day, one morning, as he was getting ready to go to school, his father noticed that something was going on. And so he asked his son, son, what's going on? And the boy says, well, dad, this is bully. I mean, he's been really messing with me. I mean, he, he, he picks on me. He beats me up. He takes my lunch money. I mean, Dad, I don't know what to do. And the father looks at the boy and says, Son, you go on to school. Don't worry about it. So the boy, you know, he goes to school, as he usually does. Goes his usual route. And he's looking around, seeing if this guy's going to show up. All of a sudden, around the corner, who shows up? The bully. And the bully sees him. And so the bully... He's picking up the pace because he already has intentions on messing with this kid. And this kid sees the bully, and he's shuffling. He's not in any hurry to approach him, but he's like this, you know. And so as he was approaching the bully, and the bully was fast approaching this kid, all of a sudden, in the corner of this boy's eye, he sees a car pulling over to the side. And he turns over, and he sees his father coming out of the car. All of a sudden, the boy that was shuffling around, all of a sudden, he stood up tall. His chest was up, and that shuffling turned into a strut. Yeah, all right. Because you see, at that moment, that boy realized that the battle was no longer his. See, his father came out, who was bigger, stronger, and he knew, this fight is not my fight. This fight is my dad. So I'm just going to step aside and let my dad do his thing. When we face circumstances, the battle is the Lord's, not yours. Because Daddy has come to fight for you. And he will give it into your hands. So I want you to understand that no matter what you face in life, remember, listen to me, it's not your fight. And listen, the bully was still there. But he didn't have to deal with the bully. Because his father stepped in and says, I'll take care of this son. You see, that's what God does with us. That's how we overcome. Because we have our daddy fighting our battles with us and for us. <clears throat> Don't ever be distracted by the size of your problem because God is bigger than that. But David, he came with God 
He didn't come into the fight by himself. You see, David knew that he wasn't by himself. When he faced his giant and talked his faith talk because he already knew that God was with him. He already knew that this fight was not his fight, but God's fight. So he had all the confidence in the world to be able to face him with just five stones and a slingshot and his faith. And that's all he needed. He didn't need to go into training. He didn't have to go through Navy SEALs training and he didn't have to know and understand military tactics. He didn't have to know how to use uh, the weapons and, and how to learn how to do hand-to-hand combat. All he needed was simply faith and God will do the rest. So no matter what the circumstances bring, we are an overcomer. And it doesn't matter how big, how serious or how painful the situation may be, we will overcome. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 51. Little side note here. As I said before, every time we set out to conquer or to overcome some obstacle in our lives, it is never done without divine help. We as believers are God's weapon of destruction. How many of you believe that? We are God's weapon of destruction for overcoming obstacles in our lives. Look at what Jeremiah 51 and verse 20 says. He was talking to Jeremiah and it says, You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nation in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. With you, I will break in pieces the horses and its riders. With you, I will break in pieces the chariot and its riders. Who did God say was his battle axe? God says it, but who did he say was his battle axe? We are, the church. We are his weapons of war. And notice what God did not say. He did not say, I will break the nations in pieces. He did not say, I will destroy kingdoms. He did not say, I will break in pieces the horse and the rider. He did not say, I will break the pieces of the chariot and its riders. No, he said four times, with you, I will break, I will destroy, I will overcome. It is with you that he's able to do that because you become his weapon of destruction. That's in the word. Romans 8, 37 says this. In all these things, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. See, David could not have defeated Goliath without the Lord with him. But with the Lord with him, God was able to use him. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He says always leads us in triumph. That implies that our triumph, our victory is constant, is continuous with him. So every challenge that Moses faced, every challenge that David faced... Every challenge that Elijah and Elisha, all of them 
was able to overcome because God was with them. An overcomer realizes that each day will present another challenge, another obstacle, another barrier, and another opponent that will stand in your way of getting to where God wants you to be. Glory to God. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Going back to the story of David and Goliath. During that time, it was, it was common for two armies as they prepare for battle. And in order to avoid excessive bloodshed on both sides, what they would do is they would choose a representative. They would choose their best fighter to represent them. So this army will choose their best fighter, and that army will choose their best fighter, and both those fighters will come representing their respective armies. Now... The winner of that battle, his victory is imputed to the army that he represents. In other words, his victory is credited to his army that he represented. In the same way that the loser, his defeat is imputed or credited to the army that he represents. So in other words, the the warrior that was defeated, his defeat became his army's defeat. The warrior that won his victory became his army's victory. Are you with me? Now, in Romans chapter 5, Paul introduces to us a man that was chosen to represent all of mankind. His name is Adam. Look at verse 12, and I'm reading this to you from the New Living Translation. Romans 5 verse 12 says this, When Adam, or through one man, Adam, sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So, through one man, Adam, because of his sin, because of his failure, his sin and his failure became our sin and our failure. Are you with me? Bible says that Adam's sin brought death into the world, and therefore we now have this death. So his sin, his death, his condemnation became our sin, our death, our condemnation. He was judged, therefore we were judged. His failure became our failure. His defeat became our defeat. However, God sent another representative to represent all of mankind. And he's referred to as the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Look at down verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receives it will live in triumph or reign in life over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. 
Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. And finally, verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one other person obeyed God, many were made righteous. Hallelujah. So through Christ, who represents us, his victory became our victory. His grace became our abundant grace. Hallelujah. His, his righteousness became our righteousness. Justification, uh, justification of life was credited to us because of what he did. And because of the victory that he displayed on the cross, we now reign in life rather than life reigning in us. He represented all of mankind and brought victory for every one of us. So we can appreciate when Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, persecution, pressure, affliction, anguish. But he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Which means that his victory is our victory. So if he overcame the world, that makes us world overcomers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have been prescripted to win. I'll say that again. We have been prescripted to win. You see, what you're going through today does not change what God has for you tomorrow. You see, when Goliath faced David, with all of his experience and with all of his weaponry and all of his armor, there was no way that he could have defeated David that day. I think if Goliath knew that he wasn't going to be able to defeat him, he would not have shown up. But because he was so sure of himself, so sure of his training, so sure of his experience that he showed up not realizing that he was never ever going to defeat David. And here's why. Because you see, God had anointed David to be king and he wasn't king yet. Let me say that again. God anointed David to be king, but David wasn't king yet. So that means it doesn't matter whether it's Goliath or 500 Goliath. It wouldn't matter. God had already planned for David. He already anointed him to be king. And there was nothing in this world come higher hell water that was going to get in the way of God's plan of David overcoming that Goliath on that day. So what you're going through today does not change what God has for you tomorrow. Because God has a plan for every one of you. And it doesn't matter what comes against you. doesn't matter what you're facing. It's not going to defeat you because God has already made it and, and prescripted you to win. It's a done deal. You've won the battle. You cannot lose is what I'm saying. <clears throat> it's like the wrestling, professional wrestling. And I've used this analogy before. And we all know, and maybe for some of you, maybe you don't know this. <laughs> But I've got a revelation for you. It's not real. 
Okay, it's not real. You probably never see professional wrestling the same way again. But it's already been prescripted to win. Whoever it's coming, both guys coming in together, the winner's already been predetermined. And so they can go through the motion of getting, banging each other, doing drop kicks and slamming each other on the ground and banging somebody on the, on the... One of my favorite wrestlers was Chief J. Strongbow. How many remember him? All right, okay, we got some Chief J. Strongbow. <laughs> and if you remember, he goes into the ring and he does okay for a little while. And all of a sudden, the tables turn. Now he's getting slammed to the canvas. He's the one getting whipped against a rope and getting clotheslined. He's already getting stomped on and, and beat and his head smashed into the turnbuckle. But all of a sudden, this supernatural energy is just rising up on the inside of him. And he starts doing his Indian dance. And he starts doing his war cry. And before you know it, he's doing the beating. He's doing the stomping. He's doing the slam dunking. And in the end, he wins. But that's because he's already been prescripted to win. Now, some of you may be getting beat up, slammed to the canvas. Circumstances is just not treating you fairly, throwing you out of the ring and smashing your head in the turnbuckle. But let me encourage you. You've been prescripted to win. You've already been called winners. You've been made an overcomer. So hang in there. Stay the course. Stand firm. Stand fast. Don't take no for an answer. See it through. Hang in there. Because your victory is on the way. Hallelujah. Let's pray. <coughs> thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for confirming your word today. Thank you, Father God, that we stand as winners, champions, Father God, for your cause. Champions of faith. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. There's nothing too difficult, Lord God, that will overcome us because we've been made winners. And so, Father, I pray, Lord God, that that becomes a revelation to every one of us. Father God, that no matter what we face in life, we know that we're going to come out all right at the end. Hallelujah. My God, I thank you. And I give you all the glory and the praise for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for making this clear to us. Thank you, Father God, for clearing this up for us and letting us know and confirming in your word that we are truly overcomers, all because of what Jesus has done. And Lord, for this, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. All eyes closed.